only a Mormon could think it was like a good idea to live eternally with one man. <laughs> like, please, you know, love my oh, husband gosh. eternity. Well, 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 welcome to please bless this podcast. The podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture. And sometimes. <laughs> Stephanie Myers, Twilight Saga. You've reminded me that right off the bat, we need to comment. The soundtracks for these movies are some of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. Whoever did the music for these films, like, could not have possibly been paid enough. It was the backbone. Perfection. Yeah. Like, so for this episode, we watched Twilight and um, New Moon. Great soundtracks. I think New Moon is number one. Yeah. It's my number one. Me too. I could listen to it start to finish, no skips, every day of my life. Obviously. If it's not clear, we are approaching the <laughs> the Twilight Saga as true fans. Yes. This is, we are not dragging anybody through the mud. I mean, we'll no. lightly drag Stephanie Meyer through the mud. Oh, unfortunately, yes. She's a silly person. But she brings the 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 Mormonness oh, yeah. strong. Yes, yeah. which is why we're covering it. Uh, some of you may not know Stephanie Meyer is Mormon, very much Mormon. Uh, turns out a, a super Mormon, like a conservative Mormon. Yeah, um, it was yeah. interesting to read interviews with her. I've never really dug into kind of her persona and her career and her thoughts and feelings about twilight i've just been like a, a twilight purist i've read the books mm-hmm. over and over seen the movies over and over but she has some things to say she sure does and yeah. it's surprising you think i don't know she's an author of this like incredible saga she had this movie deal right out of the gate you just mm-hmm. kind of expect a little bit more like her to be a little bit more like literary or like a little bit more worldly or something sure. but she's just like yeah, I like Shakespeare and Jane Austen and the Book of Mormon, baby. Yes, it seems like she truly kind of stumbled into this life and this fame in a way that I think is pretty unusual. Um, and it has it does not seem to have changed her one bit from like true, pure, innocent Mormon, which you know to some extent great don't let fame change you to another extent it's like pretty amazing to like have this level of wealth and fame and exposure and still think in such a bird an insular way yeah i mean anyway good on her she's we're uh, getting she's ahead kept of ourselves it tight. we are uh, my <laughs> name's katie <laughs> that's katie i'm elisa we're big twilight fans here going back to what i said before about no hate we love these uh these texts mm-hmm. uh we also will not stand for any hate for ms kristen stewart and mr robert pattinson absolutely not i could talk for days about how those two are the greatest actors of their generation yes and if you scoff at that i will ask you have you seen personal shopper have you seen the clouds of sills maria have you seen Good Time? Have you seen Good Time? Get yourself to the movies. Because these two are out. doing great work. Yeah, absolutely. And the- some of that great work is in Twilight. And yes! Yes. 
And like, I feel like there is a lot of hate for them in these roles, but they're playing the characters they've been given. And those characters are cringe. Yes. They're and cringe they are characters. playing them with all their hearts. Played beautifully. Ed, I mean, Robert Pattinson is Edward Cullen. Yep. He hates himself for being Edward Cullen, just as Edward Cullen hates himself for being Edward Cullen. Yes. It is meta perfection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kristen Stewart, yeah, she's awkward. She's you know stuttering her face off she has no sense of identity beyond her love for this man she's known for mere weeks and that is bella my friends like get it together get your eyes checked these two are incredible they're doing a great job now that's not to say that there isn't some pretty terrible acting in these films no one's saying that but it's not coming from case doing our paths no please don't even come with that we will block you no just turn off this episode right now. I know. We don't there's want no room it. for discourse around that. However, yeah, there's some pretty bad acting, but that only adds to the beauty and camp of these films. Mm-hmm. They are quite camp. Like Taylor Lautner, what a sweetheart. Ooh, uh, yeah. We were talking right before this episode started about like, I'm sure he has many talents. Mm-hmm. Acting, however, is perhaps not one of them. It sure isn't. No, no, no. Beautiful man. Beautiful, beautiful flesh puppet. Um, <laughs> seems like a nice, nice person. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, 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 no. He brings the cringe. He brings the camp. And I was saying that for me, that made the team Edward, team Jacob debate even easier. Mm-hmm. Like reading the books, I was always team Edward. Watching the movies, I was like, it's not even a question. Like this man is over here acting his life you know acting his heart out Mm -hmm. he's even using like a terrible american accent to try and sound like he's outside of his own time as Mm. a vampire would mind you i am not sure if that's what he's doing (laughs) i think it's that he refuses a dialect coach and this is no slander to robert pattinson but i have heard that he refuses dialect coaching that's fine so that's just him doing the one american accent he knows katie i disagree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, I need to point you to some other Robert Pattinson films, but well, sure, sure, uh, sure. I mean, he really put he lays on the the accent thick in like good time and whatever. Yeah. But and he does talk about I've I've read an interview with him where he talks about like intentionally choosing an American dialect that was kind of old timey. Mm. Whether or not it works in every moment, we could quibble about. No. But listen, this man is is an artist. Yeah, he's an artist. Listen, I don't give a shit about his bad American uh, accent. It's fine. On, but honestly, sometimes it's so bad, I think it rubs off on Kristen Stewart. Because sometimes <laughs> she will be stumbling through her lines, too. And I'm like, it's because he's he's doing it so poorly that she's starting to fumble. Anyway, no hate. None. None. Like the deepest respect of my life. Don't even think about it. Yeah. Oh, but I was going to say, you were talking about how um, the Edward versus Jacob debate is no debate in your mind. And I have to Mm -hmm. like 
give you a hard disagree for so many reasons that are just like very specific to me, very specific, specific to me being like 16 years old when this book came out. My first boyfriend that I was dating when Twilight came out was very much an Edward Cullen. So Natch, when me and my first boyfriend (laughs) broke up, I became team Jacob. And also just like growing up is also being like, wow, he's super hot and has muscles kind of thing. But obviously team Edward. Yeah, obviously. It's just not even close in my head. Like Jacob was never really even a viable option. (laughs) I mean, I was watching New Moon with my husband yesterday and I turned over to him and I said, you know, this is a little unrealistic and this is not like a very feminist thing for me to say, but this is just coming from my own life experience as a woman. I think Bella would have folded and started dating Jacob within like three months. Mm. Like he is very hot, human. Like, he's into her. He's very into her. Look, I don't disagree with you, except that my little like teenage Mormon soul understood what it meant to fall in love with someone and never let it go. Like love was forever love is forever and edward just got there first and that was it let's talk a little bit about this mormon stuff stephanie meyer let's back up to stephanie meyer (laughs) which will inevitably lead us into talking more about mormonism and twilight so okay some juicy little tidbits we learned about stephanie meyer in doing research for this episode she cites the book of mormon (laughs) I can't even get the fact out without laughing as the book that has had the most significant impact on her life. This is a woman who studied literature in college. In other interviews, she talks about how she was reading like five or six books a week when her kids were young and she would be like holding them with one hand and holding a book with the other. She's someone who has read a lot. And loves to read. And the Book of Mormon is number one. All I hear when when I hear that is that she knows that that's the answer she should give. Mm -hmm. She feels for whatever reason that that's the answer she's supposed to give. When when at the same time, uh, to me, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, sure, like, yeah, it's your, the the basis of your religion. That's not what they're asking. That's such a different question though, right? Like I'm trying to inhabit the mind of true believing Mormon Elisa back in the day. Mm -hmm. And if I were asked, what is the most significant book in your life? I just can't imagine I would have said the Book of Mormon. No, unless you didn't read. Yes. Unless you'd never read anything else. It's just such a fascinating response so that shows a certain level of like devoutness and Mm -hmm. also a kind of like adherence to a certain image of mormonism Mm -hmm. that she is like this is who this is going to be my public persona i'm gonna be the hardcore mormon lady right she really dug her heels in i think that stephanie meyer was raised like a little bit like super mega extra orthodox mormon Mm -hmm. um from what i read you know being like kind of an arizona really conservative mormon you know they didn't like she's she she mentions she didn't really listen to music growing up Mm -hmm. she didn't start getting into music until she was an adult I, i assume just meaning like secular music i'm sure they listened to classical or mormon music but um that's interesting 
you know that is interesting it's also interesting because she talks a lot about the musical inspirations for her writing and it's like lincoln park and muse which are like a little edgy for someone who claims this level of orthodoxy Mm -hmm. for sure it's also interesting because she says even as an adult she's never watched an r-rated movie i'll never understand and that's pretty intense. I mean, yeah. I was not watching R-rated movies as no. a kid. Mm-mm. And our parents mostly weren't, though they would watch some. But in adulthood, I mean, come on. You're like, not going to even watch, I don't know, what's like a benign read in our movie? They're all like a, like, like a war movie or, you know, like. Yeah. Is it Lady Bird rated R? Am I making that up? Probably. I mean, like, there are just so many, like, lovely kind of innocent movies out there that are rated R. Yeah. You've never seen one? And for what? Like, are you that afraid of, like, hearing the F word? Yeah. You can't stomach the F word? It made me think about being, so I got my master's degree at BYU, and I was in the English department, same department as good old Stephanie Meyer got her undergrad degree. And um, I knew people who were like, oh, I want to write my, you know, master's thesis in film. And I'm looking at this like set of films or whatever. And uh, but I don't watch rated R movies. And I remember hearing even faculty at BYU be like, come on. Yeah. I don't think it was like super openly like it wasn't a requirement or anything, but it was just sort of like, come on, if you're going to pretend to be a scholar of film you have to watch films but at the end of the day i mean when you take her out of the context of like being this author and uh, producing some of her movies i mean we know people who don't even watch pg-13 movies it's true we do that's not out of the question the clean flicks mormons the clean flicks Mormons. clean flicks for folks who don't know is a company in utah and their business model is they take they remove you know, questionable, quote unquote, things from movies and then distribute them to Mormons. So I remember, again, being a student at BYU, this was as I was an undergrad and I was taking a Shakespeare class. And as a class, we watched Shakespeare in Love. But it was the Queen Flicks version. Mm. And it was significantly shorter. Yeah. I mean, years later, I watched the regular one and was like, whoa, this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> That's the funny. The stakes of this relationship were not maybe fully clear to me. That's yeah. funny. I think I watched that in high school, but I'm sure my I'm sure my parents had to sign a yeah. consent form. Yeah. I mean, like, even in uh, middle school or high school, I remember a history class where we watched Schindler's List and we had to get permission from our parents. But, like, of course, we got permission. Right. I mean, never having seen a single rated R movie is pretty extreme. Yes. It also, I think, is interesting. In an interview, she talked about um, how she hasn't engaged with a lot of, like, vampire-centric media. Like, they asked her if she's read Dracula, and she said no. That's crazy. They asked her if she's watched Interview with a Vampire, and she was like, oh, I've seen some scenes on TV, which means edited. And she was like, ooh, yuck. Oh, that's the other thing. In interviews, she gives off very much that kind of vibe. The like, ew, yuck. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, she's very, like, 
no, this is my image. Yeah. You know? This is my box and I'm not looking beyond it. It's not a I'm not look. interested. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that same vein, there's an interview where she's asked about Fifty Shades of Grey, which we mm-hmm. all know started out as Twilight fan fiction. Yes. Just iconic. Yes. And um, an interviewer asked Meyer what she thinks of Fifty Shades of Grey. And she quickly, emphatically says, no, she's never read it. She doesn't wish James ill at all, E.L. James, the author of Fifty Shades of Grey. She says, but it's so not my genre. Erotica is not something I read. I don't even read traditional romance. Why not? It's too smutty. There's a reason my books have a lot of innocence. That's sort of the world I live in. Listen, Twilight is smut. Twilight is smut <laughs> without the sex, okay? it It goes, like, there's so much, like, I want you so bad mm-hmm. and he wants me so bad and I want him so bad. It's yes. so overt. It's sexual. so over the top. Katie, I was writing down lines from the scene in Twilight when they're in the woods and he's like, say it out loud. And she's yeah. like, you're a vampire. So he's like, I hated you for making me want you so badly. I don't know if I can control myself. And then she like steps closer to him and like pushes her body against his. And she's like, I know you can. Yeah. There's this like, there, you want me so badly. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, we're going to like push that limit as far as we can and yeah. see how how much we can resist right and it being about him wanting to um suck her blood is like that much more sexual yeah like literally devour her right because it's like sex we can like reconcile like oh he wants to have sex with her like okay okay that's something we all do um (laughs) he wants to like brutally yeah like murder and drink all of her blood yeah like that's that's when he says you're my own personal brand of heroin (laughs) number one terrible line yeah number two ridiculous line especially coming from a woman who's like innocence is the world i live in right then then maybe you don't write about like people's heroin (laughs) addictions (laughs) like (laughs) it just comes off a little false and a little strange it makes me think of that episode of the office where pam is like oh i love this it's like crack and Mm -hmm. ryan's like i love when people who've never had crack talk about crack and she's like what should i call it ryan and they just kind of bicker about it yeah i feel like i'm ryan when i hear that line you're right yeah i'm ryan except that i'm right one thing that was interesting to me i saw a cup a couple of um news outlets quoting Robert Pattinson saying yeah I've seen people making claims about how this is like a Mormon text or a Mormon allegory and he's like even Stephanie Meyer says that's not true yeah so we did find a lot of think pieces that are like here's my Mormon reading of Twilight right and some of them are pretty I think um well argued and some of them are really over the top bananas kind of nuts um but there's just a lot of them out there and robert pattinson is like no 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 stephanie meyer says it's not about that Mm -hmm. and i would i would argue it is inevitably about mormonism simply because of how stephanie meyer's entire worldview is 
um, founded in Mormonism by her own admission, right? Like mm-hmm. she lives in a very particular box. Mm-hmm. And so it just inevitably like informs the story and the characters and the themes. Right. The woman who says her most influential book is the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. is going to be heavily influenced by it in everything she does, yeah. even if she doesn't mean to. Like, I don't think that it's an allegory uh, for no. Mormonism or for the Book of Mormon. But, um, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. This is my first time. We talked about this before the episode started. This is our first time watching it with like a mormon lens like let me see if i can notice mormon stuff happening Mm -hmm. and it's there for sure do i think stephanie meyer set out to write a mormon allegory you know some people have argued like bella is like converting to the truth Mm -hmm. by becoming a vampire or like the colons are like these the celestial uh, beings and it's about like becoming exalted or whatever. I there's another um, person who wrote about how like the the meadow scenes in all of the Twilight books because there are all these meadow conflicts are a response to like criticism of the church for the Mountain Meadows massacre. Do I think any of that is real? No. Do I think Stephanie Meyer intended to write an in any of that no no but is this book mormon yeah yes yeah do i think stephanie meyer thought of the mountain meadows massacre once while writing the books no no (laughs) no i don't think so she didn't consider it no oh one other thing we forgot to mention about stephanie meyer which is so crucial she had a dream Mm. that inspired twilight she was just like um, so a little background about her. She grew up Mormon, like Katie said, in Arizona, uh, went to BYU, studied English literature, um, got married while an undergrad, and started having kids pretty much immediately. Has a bunch of young kids, is at a stay-at-home mom raising these kids, reading lots of books, but just being a mom and, like, that's what she wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one night she has a dream. And it's the meadow scene in Twilight where Bella and Edward are in the meadow and they're talking about like how complicated their relationship is because he wants to kill her. And but they're also like in love. And she wakes up the next day and is like, huh, maybe talks about it with some people, decides to write it, Mm -hmm. writes the novel in three months. Crazy. And it becomes Twilight. And, and is like, like you said, immediately successful. When she sold Twilight, she sold it as a three book deal mm-hmm. and made like three quarters of a million dollars in an advance. I feel like that is unusual. Yeah, it's kind of a miracle. And like movie options were already on the mm-hmm. table before these books even existed. That's yeah. the power of that first novel, right? Yeah. There was just something about it. I'm going to say, if I'm Stephanie Meyer and I'm a true believing Mormon and I'm as hardcore a Mormon as she is, I think that was revelation. Right. She was having a vision. Because she's like, whoa, I had this dream. It turned into this book. And this book has made me like wealth beyond my wildest dreams, has completely changed my life, blessed my family. I'm thinking that's revelation. For sure. Um, okay, so what do we notice in Twilight that's Mormon? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I immediately go into it having a silly goose time and just, you know, interpreting everything in a completely made up Mormon way. So Mm -hmm. obviously I first noted that Bella is coming from Arizona. She moves from Arizona to Forks, Arizona being where Miss Stephanie Meyer is from, um, uh, a nice um, conservative Mormon Mecca. So I think Bella is is the super Mormon. Bella is, you know, coming to Forks being like, oh, wow what is this, what is this, uh, Nirvana music? And then just some observations, Bella gets to Forks and, you know, she's moving in with Charlie, her super smoking hot dad. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, and immediately, oh, Bella's mom had to leave Charlie because he drank too much Rainier and was not her spiritual equal. And she had to leave in order to find that uh, right man but smoking hot nonetheless also her parents got married really young which is very mormon right it is it is the way bella dresses are you kidding me oh i also wore this um in honor of bella swan yeah you look bella she literally wore that outfit in new moon when she went to the volturi katie yes it's like her exact costume this is it I will um, say too that Katie went through a real Bella Swan phase where you were like being like stopped on the street and people were like, has anyone ever told you you look like Bella Swan? And I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, maybe if I can find some pictures, but yeah. Um, a 17 year old me, it was the long dark hair, the, the look, the vibe. The angular nose. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no offense, but it's statuesque wow <laughs> now i'm gonna be what are you thinking about that okay um so yeah the way she dresses she does a lot of layering she does a lot of like cap sleeve t-shirt long mm. sleeve underneath crew neck there's a lot like, of coverage she's very modest she wears um, pants under her prom dress folks. she wears pants under her prom dress she wears a shrug it's always a shrug. Alice buys her. Maybe this one's a new moon. This is a new moon. Alice buys her a dress for her birthday. And she has to wear a little shrug over it. It's like yeah. me. It's me. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Edward is so chaste. Mm-hmm. He's so chaste. He is like, I am so, I'm so sorry. He's so horny for this girl. He's like, I have to get away. The first I... scene when they kiss and then he like, throws himself back it's so dramatic yeah but also like didn't you kind of experience that a hundred percent what is it with mormon guys and being like i can't i can't or like especially when you're younger yeah it's like well i don't like what for kissing and like like, you're making this really weird dude like chill out and they would kind of make it out and this is like i was pretty young when i was experiencing this i remember they would like kind of like infantilize me like Mm. like they needed to like protect me from them Mm -hmm. and i was like you're weird like that's a major red flag that is so mormon i'm seeing in your notes carlisle colon is the stake president 100 percent. he's young he's rich the people love him the people listen to him he's the doctor he's an authority he's an authority like when bella almost gets hit by the car and edward saves her and she goes to the hospital and carlisle colon busts through the doors um immediately i was like (gasps) stake president 
Yeah. <laughs> like he is so powerful and just like blonde. Uh-huh. He's a prototype. Um, Charlie <laughs> is so, so hot. I'm sick. Um, Robert Pattinson could really, really use a dialect coach. Yeah. So those are my observations. <laughs> on Twilight. <laughs> That's that on that. Oh, I also literally wrote out. Ha, 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 ha. so iconic i i woke up with that tune in my head this morning what a film i will say martyrdom as like a mormon through line sure. shows up from the jump like the, first the very line. first lines of the book and the movie are like i've never given any thought to how i would die am i quoting this perfectly yes, yes. um you know <laughs> and then she's basically like to die in the place of someone I love, like what could be better? And like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, baby that girl. is an insane thing for a teenage girl to say about a boy she literally has known for a few weeks. Yeah, who is also already dead, <laughs> right? Who is also like has lived over a hundred years, and you yeah. think like you should die for him? Yeah. Um. But this is a very Stephanie Meyer idea. So we mm-hmm. found an interview where she's, she's talking to an, uh, a reporter with The Guardian. And she says, true love is that you would hurt yourself before you would hurt your partner. You would do anything to make them happy, even at your own expense. And I just wrote, no, honey, that's codependency. No, 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 no. There was another interview I saw where she was like, saying to the interviewer well you know how you wake up most mornings and you think like oh i'm ugly i hate myself you know and the interviewer's like um what so there is a kind of bella in her yeah for sure i'm nothing yeah it's giving like how i felt when i was dating my my boyfriend at 16 Mm -hmm. like it's not normal like adult behavior yes so that martyrdom is strong on bella's mm-hmm. side but also on edward's side like he's all about the self-sacrifice the whole plot of new moon is driven by his martyr complex because yeah like, i can't let her get hurt so i must go away at my even though i'm suffering and i was texting you katie i was like is new moon about edward going on a mission Low and key? he and it is because he goes to brazil perfect <laughs> which the is colons all, in brazil yeah which is where like 70 percent of mormon guys go on their mission and um you know he's gone for a long time and beforehand he has to break ties with bella so that he can like you know whatever stay true to his mission and not yeah. harm her or whatever and he's not and, in touch with his family and he's not in touch with his family and jacob swoops in and is trying to tempt her away from her like devotion to edward but she's like no no i will wait for my missionary do i think that was intended no do i think it's kind of low-key his mission yeah um also i read that stephanie meyer knew her husband since she was a young girl so it's likely that there was some kind of like he's on his mission i am waiting for him i wonder where he went on his mission i wonder too and they only dated for four months before they got married which is very typical in Mormonism and very reflective of like the plot of the Twilight Saga. Like there is not a lot of time that elapses from when Bella 
and Edward meet to when she's like, I'm ready to die for him. I'm ready to marry him. I'm pregnant with his baby. Sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like things are moving fast. It's only a couple years from cover to cover, all the books. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, insane. Yeah, yeah, she moves at the speed of Mormonism. Yeah, for she sure. She moves at the speed of Mormonism. I read an actually, I thought, interesting article about um, Mormonism and Twilight. It's written by Jana Reese. It was published in BYU Studies Quarterly. It's called Book of Mormon Stories that Steph Meyer Tells to Me, LDS Themes in the Twilight Saga and the Host. And she's like making the case for these Mormon themes in Twilight. And one that she talks about is kind of like agency and accountability. Mm Mm-hmm which are very Mormon concepts. I mean, they're concepts beyond Mormonism, but Mormons are obsessed with them. Yeah. And like this idea that we're free to act and not be acted upon, that's from the Book of Mormon, Mm -hmm. um, that idea. So like Edward and the Cullens being vampires, but choosing to be vegetarians is very like, oh, we're rising above our baser instincts. She also talks about like overcoming the natural man is a similar theme in the story. That's again, a very Mormon idea. The natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Holy shit. How do I still have that memorized? Wow. Anyway, doesn't matter. (laughs) So that's like a thing that's definitely coming up here. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also, like, Jacob can be a werewolf, but can choose to be, like, a, a, a good werewolf, right? Like, he doesn't right. have to tear the colons apart. He can protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are these moments in the text where Bella is like, oh, come on, Jacob, you don't have to do this. You can rise above that instinct or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, like, a darker application of this is, like, I wonder if Meyer thinks that being gay but not acting on it is a similar kind of victory Mm. just because i think that's a thing that a lot of mormons believe and have Mm -hmm. believed right like even if you the natural man feels compelled to homosexuality like you can oh rise above it Mm -hmm. like you don't have to give in to those urges right so there are like dark applications Mm -hmm of these ideas that I couldn't help kind of thinking about mm-hmm. especially when I was watching new moon there's this scene where Charlie says to Bella like sometimes you have to learn to love what's good for you mm. and I was like Ugh. yeah what a thing Mormons love to deny themselves all sorts of things yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. All it's a things. it's it's the name of the game. I will say uh, one other um, sort of Mormon thing I'm noticing is um, this kind of faux feminism, this kind of Mormon feminism. Mm-hmm. I think that Stephanie Meyer thinks of herself, if not as a feminist, as like a, a women's empowerment agent because that's how she talks about herself there's a quote from an interview in the guardian where she's like i think there are many feminists who would say that i'm not a feminist but to me i love women i have a lot of girlfriends i admire them they make so much sense to me i feel like the world is a better place when women are in charge so this very kind of superficial yeah not actually talking about feminism right 
Um, and then there's another quote from her own website where she's like responding to critics who are saying Bella is is a terrible like mm -hmm. character for women and the Twilight books are anti-feminist. And she makes this kind of weird argument about like, she's like, the core of feminism is being able to choose. Here we are again with like agency, right? Mm -hmm. The core of feminism is being able to choose, she says. The core of anti-feminism is conversely telling a woman she can't do something solely because she's a woman. Okay, okay. And so she's like, so why can't a woman choose to be a mom, be a stay-at-home mom? I mean, it's kind of her or to choose her family over like herself basically yeah which like i mean is that really what bella chooses i don't know I, it seems like more like stephanie meyer's talking about herself there right it seems like she very quickly just starts talking about herself i don't know it's just kind of a weird moment where i'm like yeah you you wanna like because mormons are like women are the best women are like divine Mm -hmm. um and we need to put them over here on this pedestal where they we say that we revere them and value them but also like we don't really want to hear from them and they don't have any like real leadership or power and um but they're they're you know free right but a woman is only one certain kind of woman to mm -hmm. them it's not sure. women it's the woman, mormon uh, woman. the mormon woman yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just think that that is informing for sure the characterization mm -hmm. of the women in these books. Like inevitably, right? For sure. And it's it, going to show up more in the later books when Bella like gets pregnant and is like, this pregnancy is going to kill me, but I, I don't care. I want to give my life again. Which is like your choice, but mm -hmm. that's the difficult thing. Like, it's like, well, sure. I understand what you're saying. She has these choices. She's making decisions that people might not agree with or might not make for themselves, but you're writing this book. Yeah. And those kind of decisions don't get made into a vacuum. Like what makes a young woman think it's better for me to die so that I can be with this man forever and like abandon my own parents, my friends, my life, my hopes and dreams for the future for this man. Yeah. Where do you think that idea comes from? It doesn't right. come from nowhere. No. Only a Mormon could think it was like a good idea to live eternally with one man. <laughs> like, please, you know, love my oh husband gosh. eternity. Like, we'll circle back. Sure. Mm -hmm. Why you will always love him. Eternity? I mean, 300 when, years from now, like, I might be like, I really want to go to, you know, this other place. And he's like, I really want to go to that other place. And I'll be like, happy peace. trails. The thing is, when you're 17, those are big choices to make. And Bella's willing to make them almost immediately. I mean, after that scene in the woods where she's like, you're a vampire. She goes home and the very next lines she says are like, I'm irrevocably in love with him, right? I'm irreversibly like, and irrevocably in love yes, with him. Yes, Give it a minute, sweetheart. Yeah. You're talking about Whoa. forever here. Slow down. Yeah. Are we five minutes into the relationship at that point too? Like it's yes. so early. Cautionary tale, my friends. Um, I didn't go over New Moon. I We did also watch New Moon. Yeah, we did also watch New Moon. Um, man. 
These are just I, observations. These are not necessarily Mormon things, but the scene in New Moon where she is sitting in her room and Possibility by Likely is playing and the seasons mm. are passing, that scene is a cultural reset. I think of that scene twice a week. It's beautiful. Chip and was you know, vibing. In- <laughs> My Chip two-year-old was-, was like invested. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you know, in the book, those the way that's written do you remember this how yeah, it's just, just like pages a chapter is just like fall winter or no it's like september september october, october november november <gasps> oh yeah that was yeah me at 16 that is Beautiful. an emo breakup if i've ever seen one yeah that's serious take that girl to Chuck E. cheese <laughs> or something get her out of get her out of there get her out um, of the house charlie the scene at the beginning of the movie where Edward is walking across the parking lot in slow motion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything. I Iconic. scream every time. It's like, I remember seeing it in theaters. Me too. I'll never forget. I think I saw a midnight shelling. Yeah, I think I did too. People were freaking out and my heart was a flutter. My heart exploded. <laughs> um, so Jacob refers to his growth spurt in New Moon as him just filling out like he's a like he's a grandma talking about her granddaughter, you know, not not good. Cringe. Didn't love that. Yeah. So Bella going to her birthday party at the Colin's house, getting a paper cut and then everybody almost killing her. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the catalyst for Edward deciding that he needs to leave. And he needs to, like, convince Bella he doesn't love her so that she'll move on or whatever, mm-hmm. which doesn't work. Um, I wrote, it's giving, you make me horny, so we need to break up. Yeah, which is such a real thing. Like, I feel like as an 18-year-old uh, Mormon girl dating boys who were just about to go on their missions, this was such the vibe. Yeah, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Let's uh, put a pause on this. There was a lot of really heartfelt hand-holding going on. Yeah. Because you got to be careful about crossing that line. He's got a mission to serve, which again is why I think New Moon is all about the mission. I think you're right. (laughs) Have we ever talked about Mormons and hand-holding on this podcast? I don't know. What's there to talk about? Tell me. What's there to talk about? (laughs) No, you're right. Immediately, I'm like, wait, I haven't been in Utah in a minute. When you're in Utah... (laughs) freaking everybody in town is holding hands yeah everybody's it's like if you off. drop your boyfriend's hand for a minute you're worried some Ugh. bitch is gonna swoop in and steal him from you it's over i know it, which makes me feel i i can't bring my husband to utah because he's not a hand holder and it'll make me <laughs> feel really insecure yeah you guys but will yeah. look out of place women will come up to him and see if he's marriageable they will he's a babe um i know and in church it's even worse the like back rubbing and and think about that pre-marriage premarital back rubbing is like it's the only like erotic touching they're allowed and so it gets pretty heated (laughs) yeah it's um it's intimate it's getting intimate (laughs) in the chapel Edward, for some reason, thinks it's a good idea to, like, take Bella out into the woods to drop this bomb on her that he's going to leave. And it's going to yeah. be, like, 
he was never there and she'll never see him again it doesn't make a lot of sense and incredibly profoundly emotionally unstable bella like falls to her knees and like loses consciousness in the woods and has to be recovered by like somebody in the search party it's terrible again not sweet young love like concerning obsession yes yeah if that was my daughter i'd be like we're moving but that is kind of what i mean there is a certain like irrational um angst to like thinking you're in love when you're a teenager oh yeah where it's like world ending yeah yeah i was a psychopath for my boyfriend when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And then you grow up and that and you learn some things, right? Yeah. Babella is in it. Oh, I put when uh, Edward starts to appear to El- to Bella when she gets in dangerous situations, mm-hmm. his little she'll have like a little vision and I was like she's having visions. Yeah. Bella is straight up having visions. Edward is an angel. He's her guardian angel. He's being like don't get on that motorcycle with that scary guy. Yeah, you know, don't jump off that cliff. Very spooky. Um, Michael Sheen, who plays Arrow, the Volturi guy, give the man an Oscar. Oscar, like probably the greatest performance of his career, and I think he's got a lot of great performances. He's an incredible actor. Yeah, yeah, that's tops. Um, crazy to think that the church got ten percent of Steph's movie deal. wow that's so interesting i will say about that so i was reading about how in 2008 and 2009 she was like the highest selling author in the world and i saw somewhere quoted that she's like making like 50 million dollars a year thereabouts from books and movies um yeah so the church getting 10 percent of that that's wild but also it uh, it made me think again about BYU and the English department there where she graduated. And like, I'm fascinated that there isn't, as far as I know, some kind of relationship there. Like she doesn't, hasn't like endowed a chair or, or a professorship or something at BYU with all That's that That's interesting. And I was at BYU in 2008, 2009, when she was at the height of all this, making all this money, being so famous and popular. And and it was a thing that was like, the faculty were kind of like, ugh, like we're too good for this. These mm-hmm. books are not literary enough. They're not elevated enough. It's not like she was a name that was being like proudly used to like recruit students or Mm -hmm. like talk up the department and i find that so fascinating and like so fucking preposterous that BYU yeah they're like above i agree but it makes sense i mean it was like a band like those were banned books and they are kind of smutty there's a lot of quivering and it's (laughs) like but also they are fundamentally innocent books and like she is the most famous person coming out of that department literally ever and you and you think you're too good to like talk this up or be proud of this or like ever even really say her name like I vaguely remember a couple of times her coming up in classes or in conversation and people just kind of being like oh I think her time may come because I feel like there I mean there's definitely been a twilight renaissance Mm mm-hmm um in the past 
few years uh, people have been revisiting and well midnight sun came out in 2020 yeah which i loved did you ever read midnight sun no midnight sun is twilight from edward's perspective it's phenomenal yeah also um life and death that's been mm. out longer but that's a gender swapped retelling of twilight Ooh. and it is garbage yeah. and if you are like mm, i don't know is stephanie meyer really driven by archaic views of gender you should read that book <laughs> and it, you all your questions will be answered i do have it you should read it it's not good mm, maybe it's time and i say this as a true fan of the franchise <laughs> like it's barely mentioned on her wikipedia and her website i think it was just like a known flop of a of an attempt because wasn't she going to put out midnight sun pages leaked or mm -hmm. chapters even mm -hmm. and then she put out the other one yeah okay yeah yikes fumble just Not put out good. midnight sun goodness Oof. but yeah maybe maybe as time goes on some old some people will die out some people will retire some people will replace them and we're getting the the meyer building yeah the meyer building in all the buildings at byu are named after like church leaders but then we'll have the stephanie meyer school of literature or something we are gonna watch the rest of the twilight movies yes and talk about them some more on ne next week's episode continue our beautiful spooky season focus on mormons and ghosts and monsters and vampires and whatnot until then follow us oh. everywhere folks please bless everywhere. pod mm -hmm. tiktok twitter instagram um subscribe on youtube please 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 um don't just stream our videos but follow and leave reviews and rate the podcast it helps so much to have all of that coming in mm -hmm. And then, yeah, send us DMs or email us at pleaseblesspod at gmail.com with episode ideas, uh, comments, anything Observations, thoughts on Twilight, thoughts on Stephanie Meyer. Yes, but Any... no hate for Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. We don't want to hear it. We won't have it. Because you're wrong. Yeah, not in this house. Not put, in this house. Put some respect on their names. Please bless. Kristen Stewart, our beautiful Kristen Stewart, please bless Robert Pattinson and please bless this podcast. Amen. Mm.